Today we're going to talk about uh, Jesus and the kingdom. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about that word kingdom, but I want this to, to lock down in your mind as a definition. It is the king's domain. The kingdom is the king's domain. It speaks of his power, his authority, his rule, his control. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we understand that being a part of the kingdom means we're in the king's domain. When Jesus came on the scene, he really brought to mind the power of this concept of the kingdom of God. Not only in the religious leaders, but also in those secular world and political leaders, because they heard him talk about the kingdom of God and their mind immediately went to simply political, simply ruling by, by might, by strength, and yet it is ruling by the power of God. Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come to you in, in words of wisdom or eloquence, but I came to you in power and a demonstration of the Spirit. And the reason he did was this, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in God. You see, our faith has to be objective. What we, I mean by that, there has to be an object of our faith. It can't be subjective. Have you ever had anyone say to you something like this, hey, I just feel like it's going to be okay. You know, you know how much comfort that gives me? Zip. None. And I always follow up with this question when people say to me, I, have you ever been wrong? Because if you've ever been wrong and had a good feeling and something bad happened, I don't want to listen to you right now. I want a good word. Faith has to be an object in an object, and our object is God. We put our faith in God. And prayer doesn't an prayers don't answer anything. God answers everything. Amen? So the kingdom, when it comes, it comes in power. Secondly, understand this, that the keys have been given to us. We have the keys to the kingdom. And there's multiple keys in that ring of God. One key is the key of salvation. We come into salvation by faith, and it's by grace, not because of us or our good works. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, I, I just don't know if I'm good enough for God to love me. God loves you regardless how bad you think you are. That's his nature, to love you. Well, I take that first key and I open it up and I find salvation this way. It says, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, I, I, I what? I will, not maybe, not a good chance. Hope I make it. I will be what? Saved. Saved. So there's the promise of God that salvation comes as an offering to God, from God, and it's a faith offer on our response. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. Now think about this. The king's domain is where? In you. You are the temple of the living God. That's kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? You, God is in your house. Everywhere you go, you carry God. Just say with me, God is in the house. Oh, he's in this building, sure, but he's in that house, that temple of the living God. God is in the house, and God wants to work through the house, in the house, because the kingdom of God is within. 
Also, faith, kingdom faith is aggressive. Aggressive faith. Every once in a while, someone will come back and they'll, they'll give me the problem. The problem is this, this, and this. And sometimes they'll say, yes, it's cancer and it's very aggressive. Well, if doctors can use that phrase, why can't we use it for faith? What we need is aggressive faith that looks at impossibilities and says God can and God will. Aggressive faith. We want the kind of aggressive faith that Jesus spoke about when he looked at a mountain. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you shall say to that mountain, be picked up and moved, and it shall, what? Obey you. When you face big mountains, when you face big obstacles, you want aggressive faith. You want faith that doesn't give up, that doesn't stop. You see, and when you think about it, our assignment here on earth is what? Just to release heaven on earth. Sometimes we confuse our destiny with our assignment. Our destiny is heaven. One day we'll go to heaven. That's your destiny. But your assignment is to bring heaven to earth in this world. It is to introduce people to the kingdom of God. You see, we take risks. Risk is just another way to spear miracles. Risk uh, happen in such a way that brings us to the edge of impossibility. You ever stood on the edge of something? Thought you were going to fall? I could fall off of this. It's possible, right? But it's not a long fall. But you have to get on the edge. You have to get on the edge and say, God, I believe you will do this. You see, if you can see it in the spiritual, you can have it in the physical. Now listen to that. If you can see it in the spiritual, you see, God answers all prayers according to his will. When God gives you a revelation in the spiritual, you'll see it in the physical. It'll manifest itself. You have to act like it's so when you see it in order for it to be so. You have to enter into the vault of God, the heavenly vault of God, go to the shelf and pull off what you see in your spirit man is that God wants to do in your life. We can't be content with prayers that just kind of hope so kind of prayers. Prayers that lack the substance and lack the power that God wants to work in us and through us. We have to be aggressive in our faith. We have to believe the impossible. You know, since we've been here, it's been, uh, it has been miraculous. It really has. And from almost the first day, we had neighbors in this business park that didn't want us here. Now, who would not want us here? I mean, we're just good, loving, kind people, right? And they tried with the city, and the city said, no, 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 we, we like them. They're fine. They literally did. They wrote a letter and said, no, they're fine. They're fine. They're great. Then we had, uh, initially, we, when we first started here, we, we had a, uh, everybody circle around this building. Maybe you've seen pictures of it. We held hands and we prayed and we hired uh, a, an airplane to fly over and take pictures. And well, the neighbor on the other side, well, well they said, oh, all your people were fill up our parking lot. Well, we had aerial photos, time stamped, and said, no, we weren't. <laughs> Thank God for airplanes. And then, and then on the other end, just all kinds of little things, little, this little murmurings, little things, you know, and, and all of a sudden, one by one, the favor of God. You see, when a man's ways are right with God, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him, the scripture says. So let me just tell you what happened. So they had their water go out next door, the place that complained about us parking their lot. They needed a bathroom. 
voila. <laughs> we provide a bathroom. We get a thank you letter saying thank you very much for your kindness and all of that. And, uh, and we've been able to use their parking lot over there uh, now for special events without a problem. <laughs> Neighbors on the other side. There's like seven buildings in this business park, right? And we were just, we just rub our hands together for those parking places because there's 314 parking places over there that are just custom made for us. <laughs> Amen? That's right. I just look at opportunity. There's no houses around here. There's nobody open on Sunday. This is just opportunity. Well, this morning, I signed the document uh, with all seven business owners over there granting us the right to park. We now have 314 parking places next door to, at our disposal. It's just the favor of God. And when you walk in the favor of God, you're going to see what God can do. Let me just take you to a scripture that really forms the foundation of this. It's in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. And I'm just going to pull this one little verse out of this uh, Lord's Prayer. And he says this to his disciples. And, and they're asking, and remember, this was prompted by, would you teach us how to pray? I believe that prayer is the training ground for the church. That's the purpose of it. It's equipping us for what God has for us in eternity. And if you as an individual or we as a church don't pray, we are going to be under-equipped for eternity. This is God's way. God does nothing apart from praying people. God engineered it into the system not just to get his stuff done on earth, but actually to train us up and to disciple us and to prepare us for our queenly role of ruling and reigning with Christ in all eternity. The Bible says in Revelation, to him who overcomes will I grant to sit with me on my throne. Now think about that. God has given you a scepter of a prince and a princess in the kingdom, and he says, use the scepter. Use the authority. In Matthew 28, he said, all power and authority has been given to me. You see, when Jesus came as a man, he stripped himself of his glory, was born in the likeness of men, the eternal son of God. He stripped himself of all of that glory. He became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And he gave him what? Power and authority. Remember what it says, Matthew 28. All power and authority has been what? Given. It was given to Christ in his humanity. And then he gave us power and authority. He established power and authority as a man so we would understand that we can operate in power and authority as human beings. And he told us just to go do it. Go take the kingdom. Go pray for the sick. Go heal the, the blind. Go out and do what I've told you to do. I have commissioned you to do that, and I've given you all power and all authority to do that. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, it says in Colossians, he made a public spectacle of the enemy. You know what that means? He laughed in Satan's face because he has no power. He has no authority. And guess what? He gave you power and authority over the enemy. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, For this purpose did the Son of Man come, that he might what? Destroy the works of Satan. 
destroy them. He is powerless. You know what happens? You know why we're so confused as Christians? We think, well, we're just good Christian people. Everybody ought to love us and accept us, and we do good, we work hard, we try to act kind, and, and the world doesn't like us. Of course they don't. Why would they? You represent what they're not. The righteousness of God in Christ. Satan doesn't like me. Of course he doesn't. You know why? Because you have power and authority over him and he doesn't know what to do about it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Listen to what it says. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice what it says, your kingdom come. That is, your kingdom will show itself in power. Paul said, and remember 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, I didn't come to you with eloquent words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? So your faith wouldn't rest in men, but it would rest in God. And so it's going to show itself. Your will be done when? Now. Right now. Right now. As in heaven. That little, those two little words, it is in heaven, those don't appear in the Greek. They're only there to try to help you understand, but they actually confuse the issue. Here's what it literally says. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. As in heaven. We want God's will. What's going on in heaven? We want that down here. Amen? We, got, we know what we get down here. We want what's going on up there. You see, the heaven is open. There is a divine invasion that has taken place, and the divine invasion is a family business called God's people. We got franchised down here out of heaven. Did you hear me? We got franchised down here in the family business. We're supposed to carry out the intent of the owner, the father. You see, we are to release heaven on earth. Now, there's an interesting story. It's found in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 17. It's a story of a guy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob's name means the, the deceiver. He was kind of a crooked guy. You know, he loved God and he had a heart for God, but he was always trying to figure out how to get his way. Well, he lays down, he's in an open sky, he puts a rock under his head as a pillow. Things were worse then as they are today. I, I've slept in a few hotels that have the same pillow system. <laughs> but listen to what he says. And it says he was afraid. He, he had this, this sense of the presence of God. He said he was afraid. You see, when you have a, a, a God encounter, sometimes there's a sense of, of fear, not in the bad sense, but in the fear of, of respect. It says that he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And he saw this ladder from earth to heaven and an angel ascending and descending on the ladder. You know what he was seeing? He was seeing a glimpse of what Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 of an open heaven. Thy will be done on earth as what? As it is in heaven. Now hang with me here because this is going to get a little bit deeper right now. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 3. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 3. Now if you've ever read Ezekiel, you, you might be convinced this guy was on some bad mushrooms. 
I mean, he's got visions. You're going, what does that mean? I mean, I, it's the most feared question I get when I do a Q&A. What does this mean over in Ezekiel? I don't know, but we'll figure it out sooner or later, when, at least when we get to glory. All right. But here's the vision he has. Now, now carefully listen. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. Paul said, I know a man in the Spirit, in the body, I don't know. He was caught up to the third heaven. He saw things that he couldn't even reveal. And he said, and I prayed for God to relieve a thorn in my flesh. And he said, no, because I want you to understand humility by what you've seen. Now watch, what's happening in Ezekiel is exactly the same thing. It says, the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem. So he's in a heavenly realm, in a spiritual realm between heaven and earth and God is opening his eyes up to visions of Jerusalem. And that's the topic that God's going to show him. And then it says he takes him to the door of the north gate of the inner court. So he takes him to the temple, to the north, through the north gate, and there he stands at this door. Now what progresses next is as he stands there in this heavenly tabernacle enter, to enter into the presence of God, God shows him a hole in the door. And he says, dig. And I'm reading this and going, what is going on here? Go through the door. No, God says, dig. You see, God wanted him to understand. He wants us to understand that the deep things of God are not on the surface. You have to dig. And when he dug, he then had the door and he could go in to the glory of God. You see, if you're going to understand God, you cannot understand God with three tips on how to be happy. You understand God by getting in his presence. By taking in and bathing in his glory. You have to dig through the hole that God shows you. You say, but it's too hard, then give it up. You don't want the glory bad enough. It doesn't make sense, then give it up. You don't want the glory bad enough. Why not use the door? Give it up. You don't want the glory bad enough. If you want what God has, remember, it's a principle on earth that the gold is not on the surface, it's in the ground. The oil is not rowing, flowing down the streets, it's in the ground. The diamonds are not clearly seen, it's in the ground. And if you want them, you have to dig. You have to go through the hole. You have to find out what God has for you. You see, it's the glory of a king to uncover something. If you're going to be a king and a priest in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to get below the surface. Right now, in your mind, you're probably thinking, I want to do that. How do I do that? You start somewhere. And you persevere after God. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. Matthew 16 and verse 19. Listen to what Jesus said. And I will give you 
the keys to the kingdom. I will give you the keys. You know what the keys are? They're the power to open and shut. I love it when someone comes up to me and says, do you have a key to such and such a door? Yes, I do. And they get this relief on their face. Oh, good. But I left them at home. You see, the church has the keys and they leave them at home. They go about doing life and they leave the keys at home. But it's the power to open and to shut the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be, that's a promise. Whatever you bind on earth will be, that is a promise that will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, if I'm going to get heaven to earth, I have to, I have to enter into my spiritual man, into the realm of the supernatural, into the realm of God, and I have to secure it and say, God, that's mine. I'm marking it. I'm calling it. I'm binding it there. And I wait for the delivery here. Anybody can say, look what God has done after it's done. You've got to say, look what God has done before it's done. Do you hear what I said? You have to say it's done before it's done in order for it to be done. You've got to call those things that are not as though they are. Because the goal is to what? Loose the things here on earth that are already bound in heaven for God. God says they're yours. Do you want them? What do you want? Ask, and you shall receive. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Did he mean that, or was he just kind of making us feel good? He meant it. He, God wants us to do the impossible. God wants us to unlock sacred doors. That idea of unlocking doors takes us back to Isaiah chapter 22 and verse 22, where we read about this guy named Eliahim. And Eliakim was the keeper of, of the keys of David, the king. Now imagine the power that he had. He was given a robe that he might represent the king, just like you're clothed in a robe of righteousness. And it says of him that he could open the key to the king's wealth, the king's provision to anyone he chose. He could also shut it to anyone that he chose to do. So he could open the treasures of the king. Do you realize Jesus said, you have the keys, you can open the treasures of the king. You, you, not me, alone, you, all of us here. I don't care whether you're five, six, seven, or 50, or 100, you have the keys to unlock the king's chamber. But there's an interesting thing there also that it talks about because it not only tells us that you can go in and into the treasures, but it also says that he has the power to introduce whomever he will to the king. In other words, if he doesn't want somebody to meet the king, they don't get to meet the king. You have the keys. You will have the opportunity to go into the kingdom, but guess what? You have the opportunity to introduce people to the king. That's the gospel. So you can decide, no, you're not going to meet the king because I'm not going to give you the gospel. Puts a lot of responsibility on us, doesn't it? That's what you have to do with keys. You have to use them for the king. We have to focus on the miracle. How about you know this? We've done two or three 21-day fasts since we started. 
I feel like I'm in one right now. How many are hungry? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just a little bit hungry. How many? How about does an in and out sound good to anybody here today right now? Come on, raise your hand up. Come on, don't lie to me. You know you're hungry. The more I talk about it, just those fr- the smell of the fries. You ever notice how, dang, I want one of those so bad. My wife's out of town. I can go get one. I put extra salt on it. I mean, it's awesome. How many know this truth, though, in a fast or when you're hungry? Hunger increases your perception. You ever notice how good you can smell when you're hungry? I can smell a donut two miles away when I'm fasting. It's true, though, isn't it? But biologically, it's true as well. Your senses are all heightened when you do without food because you're not rushing blood to the digestive system to try to take care of the food. And what happens is your mind opens up and you see things you didn't see before. But watch this. You won't find what you're not hungry for. You won't find what you're not hungry for. If you're not hungry for the kingdom, you won't find the kingdom. I've watched guys during big sports seasons bring their little phones to church and got an earphone on and, yeah, I'm in church. No, 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 you don't understand. You're hungry for the game. You should have stayed home. You'd have been better off staying home. We have to offer what nobody else offers. That's the kingdom. We have to give what nobody else can give, the kingdom. You won't hunger what you, what you, you won't find what you don't hunger for, but when you start to hunger, you will increase your capacity for the supernatural. Miracles follow miracles. You can be in the middle of a miracle and what, how does it say? You can be in the middle of a miracle and what? And not know it. God can be surrounding you, but if you don't have the heart and the mind to perceive that what's God doing all around you, you'll miss out. Everybody go, it's so great, God's working. You go, he's not working in my life. I don't know what's going on because you're not hungry yet for the kingdom. Raise up a people who are hungry for the kingdom and you'll change the world. Jesus took his disciples. He walked them. He camped with them. He laughed with them. He almost sunk a boat with them. And guess what he said? He increased their capacity for hunger. They wanted what he had. They never said, teach us how to heal. They never said, teach us how to walk on water. They said, teach us how to pray, because they knew the source of great power was prayer. When you get with God, something's going to happen. You see, we believe a lie too often. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Anybody ever told you a lie and you believed it? You empowered them. They can tell you another lie. You see, Satan comes with the lie. The lie is God doesn't care about you. God's unhappy with you. God un- is not pleased with you. God is not going to take care of you. God's not going to meet your needs. And you empower him. You see, he has no authority over you unless you give it to him. You give it to him when you believe the lie. And you empower the liar to rule your life, to oversee all of your, and set your agenda. We don't want him setting our agenda, amen? There's an interesting story in 1 Samuel chapter 14 where Israel is, is facing the Philistines. And in those settings, it's always kind of the same kind of model. There's always somebody who's afraid to fight the Philistines. 
They're the giants in the land. They're the, they're, the, they're the obstacles that you don't know how to handle in your own physical sense. But the story tells some interesting things. There, there apparently, it says there were some Hebrews there, and, and, I, and I think it's about verse 22. There are some Hebrews that were, were working and fighting with the Philistines. Imagine that scene. There, there's an army. There are Philistines, and some of the army, it's like, paid militia coming in, like soldiers of fortune, and they're coming in. We're going to fight with the Philistines because it looks like they're going to win. And then guess what? They started to hear about the victory of God. They get to start to hear about what God's doing. Guess what they did? They left the Philistines, they took off, and they aligned themselves back with Israel. You know what happens? I believe there's a lot of people who've stepped away from God. Oh, not officially. They just don't live their life to give him glory. And they're standing with the Philistines. They're standing with the world. It might be you. But when you start to hear what God's doing, you say, you know what? Why would I stay in this crowd when I can go over there and be a part of what God's doing? Let me ask you something. If your three-and-a-half-year-old daughter had cancer, where would you want to be? At the football game or at church? But not just any church. You want to be at a church that believes in the miraculous. Why? You'll leave the ranks. You'll throw down your old uniform and you'll take off and you'll line yourself there. The very next verse, by the way, the very next verse, it's interesting. It says there were some Jews that they hadn't aligned themselves. The Philistines, they were hiding in the caves. They were just afraid. They weren't willing to fight on either side. Those are the people, those are the Christians who say, it's just too hard. I, I don't know how to live my life out that way. I don't know what to do. And gosh, I just, you know, I think I'm better off just hiding and hanging low. And guess what? All of a sudden, they started to hear about what God was doing, and they started coming out of the caves and aligning themselves with the nation of Israel. See, I don't know whether you're fighting or standing with another army or whether you're hiding in a cave, and I'm talking about really living out this Christianity, not making Christianity a hobby. See, church was never designed to be a country club for people with wealth. It was a hospital for sinners who could find the power of Almighty God and learn that they were saints. Amen? See, once you know your identity, you're unstoppable. So Satan's always going to try to beat up your identity. You're not worth anything. You're not this. You're not that. Because he knows that if you, if you realize and harness the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are totally, completely unstoppable. Miracles draw people out. They make us an army. They bring courage to our heart. Let me give you a few life applications. Here's the first one. Turn the key to the kingdom. I want you to say this with me. I got the keys. Ready? I got the keys. All, I need all of you because you all got a key. Unless you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have to say this. But we can take care of that in just a few minutes. I got the keys. I got the keys. Turn the key. Open the, door. Open the door. See what God can do. Can do. Doesn't that feel better than going, oh, my God, so many problems. I don't know what I'm going to do. Bible's no good. I just got to put it down. I've got to talk to everybody. Then they go into a long diatribe of, of all that's wrong. And they're, they're, they're not solution-focused. They're problem-focused. And they're problem. Whatever you focus on will magnify 
I know that's true. When I look in the mirror and look at my waistline, it gets bigger as I look. <laughs> Amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Some of you ought to be raising your hand. You're struggling as much as I am. I mean, there's 220 pounds of twisted steel, but it's well padded. <laughs> Amen? Here's the second thing. Tell hell no. See, now this is one, once, students, this is one opportunity to say hell, not get in trouble. All right? Say this with me. Tell hell no. Say, hell no. Hell no. You're not going to rule. You're not going to have authority in my life. In my life. Jesus, died, Jesus died, rose from the dead, from the dead. Has, all has all authority, all power, all power. And, it's and it's been given to me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. give him the glory. Would you give him the glory? Think about a kingdom heart for a moment. Think about a kingdom heart. Ask God right now. Just right where you sit, you can say it verbally, you can say it in your heart. Say, God, give me a kingdom heart. God, give me a kingdom heart. Give me a kingdom heart. Make it courageous. Make it powerful. Make it world-changing. Give me a kingdom heart. Give me a kingdom heart. Stand with me as we pray, would you? Father, as we pray, we just uh, pray in your name, God. That you, Lord, would, would make us courageous, dedicated followers of yours. God, right now in this room, I, I believe there are people that are struggling physically and need healing. And I just pray they'd be healed right now in the name of Jesus. That the atmosphere of faith would just permeate this place. That we would know it's not about us, it's about Him. That God is working in your life. God is drawing us to be a, a kingdom-minded people who can exercise the power and the authority we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to just make your way to the front. If you just want to commit yourself to being a kingdom person, you just want to say, God, I want to take the keys, open the door, go in and enjoy what it means to be in the throne room of the Almighty God. I'm going to dig through that little hole. I'm going to go in where the glory is, and I'm going to find God, and I'm going to reflect God in my life. I'm going to ask you just to slip out from where you're standing or seated and just come here to the front. And just as a commitment of your life, just say, God, I'm just going to worship you here right now, and I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself to being a kingdom person. Right now, just move from where you are. Just move from where you are. And while they're coming, I just want to ask you if, you, if you're uncertain about your eternal destiny right now, would you, would you call upon the name of the Lord? Would you say yes to Jesus right now? Yes to Jesus right now? If you would, then you could pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died 
I believe that you were buried and rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And you said, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, that I would be saved. And right now, I ask you to save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Let this heart be the king's domain. Let this life be an extension of what you want to do in this world as a child of the living God. We also know that when you pray that prayer, God hears and God answers. Would you just thank him right now in your own heart if that was your prayer? Just say, thank you, Jesus. I prayed that prayer today and thank you, Jesus. If that was your prayer, would you just look at me right now? Just lift your eyes to me. Just if you prayed that prayer today, God bless you. Lots of you. God bless you. God bless you. And I know there's some people that need a touch of God. They need to be healed. And we have a prayer team that are trained to pray with you and, and ask God's miraculous in your life. I'm going to ask you just to slip out here. So this is really a, a time for everyone in this room who has that hunger after God. Remember, you won't find what you're not hungry for. you got to get hungry. you got to put aside pride. you got to put aside all the stuff that holds you back and just say, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. As Kellen leads us through this song, we're going to just invite you to just move as God has you move right now. Just come. Just come and worship the King. Dry bones is 
that we love is um, that we're like a family and uh, when one of our uh, family member has a shift in their life in some way uh, we like to uh, pray for them and rejoice with them so I'm going to ask uh, uh, Robbie Osborne to come up here and I'm going to pray for Robbie Robbie is a Marine and he uh, this will be his last Sunday before he ships out so uh, everybody 
So, uh, today's your birthday? It is. Wow. That's pretty cool. Well, everybody give this Marine a 20 on your way out for his birthday. Amen? Robbie, uh, we want to thank you for uh, your service to our, our nation, and thank you, God, that uh, thank God for you and th that you've served here and, and just been a part of this, and um, we love you, and we just want to pray blessings on you right now. Just join me as we pray for Robbie. God, I thank you for Robbie. Thank you for his commitment to uh, our nation. Thank you, God, for his commitment to Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that you will protect him in every situation, from temptation, from the enemy, from um, all those things that might come against him. We pray that he will stand strong like a mighty warrior for Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that he will lead other Marines to faith in Christ. We pray, God, that he will, uh, every moment of the day, God, he'll know your presence and know your power. He will never fear because you are with him. And though he walks through the waters, they will not overflow. Though he goes through the fire, it will not burn him. You have called him to be a world changer and change the world through him, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. Amen. Stand, stand right here while I just bless everyone, would you? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be glorious to you in all that you do. May you change the world. May you have a heart of a king because you live in the king's domain. Open the key to the door and let the gospel out. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you later.